fire, fire, fire. Good day, good day, good day, everyone. It's Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner, host of the Pete the Planner Show. Happy New Year. We it's the year of the I don't know. Damien Dunn joins me. Uh, Dame, you know, like then the was it like the Chinese calendar? There's like the year of the whatever. What is the year of oh, year of the tiger? Gur, my friend, welcome to the show. <laughs> Gur, back to you. Oh, year of the tiger. Who's your favorite tiger? Uh, Tony. I'd go with Montecor. Oh. I don't know. I think it's one of Siegfried and Roy's old tigers. But you know what? Now that I say that, I feel like it's the one that mauled Roy. Was and there so a, I feel bad. Was there a tiger in uh, Thundercats? Uh, Tigro. All yeah. right. Uh, it may be. Anyway, hi, everybody. Uh, this is a financial show. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you had a good holiday. Dame and I took a week off to... Spend times with our family, throw another log on the fire, so to speak. And so to speak, I mean, literally, I don't know what the euphemism throwing another log on the fire would represent. But alas, here we are. Dame, did you have a good holiday? I did. It was very quiet. Didn't have to travel anywhere and didn't have to shovel out uh, any uh, blizzards. Uh, Jeremy, hello, our friend. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Uh, good to be with you. Uh, so, Dame, I, I'd like to announce all sorts of like, oh, we've got fun things for the show this year. I don't know. We're going to do our best. It could be fun. It could be bad. Today's going to be a good show, though. I can guarantee today is going to be a good show. No doubt about that. Uh, do you have that same feeling? I do. I think we're poised to start very strong. All right. So, Dame, I added a new ticker to the bottom of the visuals. For the people on the podcast, you don't get the visuals. Yeah, you like it? I do. All right, I do. There we go. Okay, um, Dame, here's what's on the show today. Here's what we're doing. We are doing a, a market recap. All the different markets, crypto, commodities, equities, bonds, all that. We're going to talk about what happened in 2021, which of course means you and I get to review our big stock pick adventure for 2021. Who won, who lost. It's a mixed bag, everybody. And and then we make our picks for 2022. We also answer a question from a person that said, enough already. I'm saving a lot of money. Can I stop and enjoy life? I kind of like those. So we'll yeah. do that. Of course, the biggest waste of money of the week in the news. All right, Dame. You ready to go? Let's do this. Should I check text during the show? I mean, that's what an amateur would do. I know. That's what I just tried to do. It's an important text, too. That's the problem. It's always the problem. You want to read it to everybody? No. Okay. Uh, Dame, we also noted that for some reason, my even though I'm hardwired into the internets, my connection is going to be weird today. So everybody, sorry. And what's with that? That I I said it in a way that made it seem like it's other people's fault. (laughs) Let's get started. Okay. Here we go. Starting the show. In three, two, this week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And when you do that, amazing things may happen. What? What? I'm not sure. We could answer your question on the air, and we're going to do that here in the third segment. By we, I mean myself and Damian Dunn, no relation whatsoever, uh, vice president of advice at your money line and Hey Money. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. 
Dame, this week, you and I are talking about the 2021 market review, our predictions for 2022, and uh, an email question from a person who said, enough already, can I stop saving money? There you go. So, uh, Dame, you're good? Good good to go for the year? I think so. I think we uh, took that little bit of time off. We're refreshed, ready to go. All right. Uh, Here we go. Dame, it's the year in review, 2021. How did the market go? Let's begin with the top sectors of 2021. Do you, you've seen the chart. In fact, you've sent me the chart. Do you know what the top asset class was in 2021? Crypto. It was. In, in fact, more specifically... Bitcoin. Now, if we're being fair here, I don't think it's taking into account like Dogecoin and all of those sorts of things. I think I went with the major crypto, which is Bitcoin. Bitcoin was the top performing asset class of 2021 at 59.8%. This does not surprise you? No, uh, not at all. I mean, it seemed like you couldn't turn anywhere without having some story about crypto put in your face. And on top of that, you had uh, a lot of people who were just finally threw their hands in the air and said, all right, I, I got to get in on this and, and figure it out for myself. And they did. And they participated and it continued to drive the price higher and higher. 3% lower, just under 3% lower at 56.4% was crude oil. That was crude oil. Crude oil. Uh, but and, and I will just make this note and I will probably make it a few times during today's show. I don't invest in oil. Uh, specifically a crude oil. I don't have investments in crude oil. I also don't have investments in Bitcoin, uh, which, which is to suggest uh, just because it might get good returns or there's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a speculative thing. I, it's just not for me. That's okay. Uh, this show isn't necessarily for you to adopt my investing style. It's to come up with your own. Uh, so Dame, crude oil did fine. The S&P 500 Commodities Index did 37% and the Dow Jones real estate real estate index did 35%. And now we are on to the stuff everyone cares about. Actually, that's not true because people care about the crypto. S&P 500 was up 26.9% last year. Dame. Wow. Yeah, that's uh I'd like to say that's not normal, but if we were to look at the previous 10 years or so of returns, it's not out of line with uh, what we've we've seen over that course of time. Um, good year to be in indexes. Yeah. So, Dame, I I I I'm trying to I like the S and P 500. It's such a weird statement. It's actually a meaningless <laughs> statement. Uh, what I'm saying is I am comfortable with the returns that the S and P 500 consistently provides. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You, you don't have to. Uh, Try and pick and choose winners and losers as you're going through. You are making a bet on uh, these 500 stocks, uh, the U.S. market at large. And if you can uh, be consistent enough over or the the economy can be consistent enough over that time period, you're going to be just fine. Uh, Will the S&P 500 uh, struggle in periods of economic turmoil? Yeah, well, we saw that last year during uh, the, the very, very brief I guess that wasn't last year. It was two years ago that we had the the very, very brief drawdown. Uh, But the S&P 500 as a whole 
is used as a core holding in many people's portfolios for a reason. It's consistent and it has very nice returns. I have been in the financial business for over 20 years. I am comfortable averaging 8% long-term on my entire portfolio. I am now going to read you the annual returns for the S&P 500 starting in the year 2011. Please okay. Do. Yes. 2011, it returned 2.1%. Yeah. 2012, 15.89. In 2013, the S&P 500 gained over 32%. In 2014, over 13%. In 2015, 1%. Mm. In 2016, 11.96%. 2017, nearly 22%. 2018, it was down just under 5%. So that's the first down year we've discussed. 2019, a robust 30%. 2020, the beginning of a global pandemic, which is now in its third season. Uh, 16%. And then 2021, uh, nearly 27%. Dane, this works out to a five-year annual average return of 17.5% in a 10 year average return of 16%. Uh, how long does that keep going forever? Pete, no, we're making no, the call today. It. We're making the call uh, today. Uh, this is not uh, constitute financial advice. Please consult your financial advisor. We're going to have periods of up and down. And if you look, uh, if you're in the financial industry and you listen to, um, the talking heads and the people who are in the know, they all pretty much universally say that stocks are going to slow down drastically in the next, I don't know, whatever time period you put on it. But these are also the same people that try and pick winners and losers every year, and they fail miserably at that too. So uh, how long is this going to continue? I don't know. But this also really builds the case for a well-balanced and diversified portfolio. I have to note that in the end of 1999, the market was averaging 19% on a 10-year uh, look, okay? So then, which is, you know, higher than what it is now. Uh, but then the following years, uh, minus 9, minus 11, minus 21. Yeah. And now, throw September 11th in the mix and two wars and some other things, and, and you've got some complexity there. But you get my point. Now, the other thing you and I, of course, were nerding out over uh, before we went on air today is the 60-40 portfolio and how it's performed. 60-40 uh, portfolio is 60% S&P 500, 40% bond index. And Dame, the 60-40 portfolio did 15.43% last year. 15% and you're 40% in bonds. What? Which were underwater last year yeah so you took a loss on 40 percent of your portfolio and still made double what your target return could reasonably be uh, in most years so uh, 60 40 portfolio even though uh, folks you know, may think it's very boring and bland and uh, doesn't give you uh, the i don't know whatever they want to say but uh, 60 40 portfolio has proven long term to be a very good uh, strategy to invest your money uh, I think, especially if someone approaches retirement where they need to take down the volatility a little bit, the 10-year average return on the 60-40 portfolio right now is 10.89%. Give that to a pre-retiree, give that to a retiree on a consistent basis, and I think you'll have some smiley faces. Um, 
even though the smiling face is arguably covering dentures. Uh, Dame, on a 25-year number, 8% on that 60-40 portfolio. Um, Here's my my big, bold assertion that can get people angry. That's not meant to make people angry. It's just how I feel. With the 60-40 portfolio doing that and stocks averaging 17% over the last five years, 16% over the last 10 years, this is specifically why I do not involve myself in cryptocurrency. There's no point. What's it matter? It does. You don't need it. And so I'd rather have something I can rely on consistently as opposed to that. Wow. Those are fighting words, Pete. They're not. I mean, I, it's, I, at some point, my hot takes just cools down, but that's how I feel. Coming up after the break, we will reveal who won the stock pick challenge of 2021. Mixed bag. Uh, and who We'll win 2022. We're going to make our picks next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Oh, there you go. Larry out. One down. Uh, So, you know, you look at it that way where 1999, we were at those high levels. And then you look at those three nasty years after the fact. But but here's, here's what our market hasn't had to deal with for 20 years. Three down years in a row. So when that does happen, and yes, that will happen, although I feel like the Fed is so much more active today that they will pump you know, bonds out into the marketplace and, 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 and try to lift up the economy. I, um, I don't know how the modern investor, I mean, the 2022 investor could handle three down years, but it's common at some point. I, I think that... Um... It will happen, but as <clears throat> as we've seen the Fed become more active and the up years become so much higher than, than what we would have traditionally expected, I think that means the down years are going to be that much worse as well. I can't wait for you to hit mute and clear your throat. I mean, it, it was so sorry. great because I was getting grossed out myself. Um, actually, we don't have to do this next part on air. Uh, we can do it here on the podcast and, and the live stream. I want to finish up some other returns from last year. The uh, Russell 2000, uh, which is small cap stocks, was up 13%. Um, The U.S. dollar index was up 6%. U.S. treasuries were down 2.5%. Gold was down 3.6%. Silver was down 11.7%. You know what stinks about this chart is the NASDAQ's not on here. Like, Why put this chart together and not list the NASDAQ? You know what I mean? We can write a very strongly worded email to the creators. Man, uh, should we say where we got this from? Um, they've got overall. They've got really cool charts. I agree. Visualcapitalist.com. Yeah. Visualcapitalist.com. Well, it'd be better if uh, you got the Nasdaq involved with their Visualcapitalist.com. Thanks for your help. Okay, Dame, you ready to reveal our stock uh, results from last year and to pick, make our picks for this year? I'm nervous. I got to write them down because I'm going to forget. You know what? That's yeah, a fair point. Uh, I still haven't picked my one. Well, you're up or you're down? Yes. <laughs> All right. And then we're, so we're doing uh, S&P 500 prediction, your stock of the year, and your loser of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan says on the live stream, happy new year of avoiding Speedway gas station breakfast sandwiches. And a boy, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can rebrand as the audio capitalist, skeptical economist 2.0. Troy, that's very funny. 
for longtime listeners, they'll know that at one point I had the show named The Skeptical Economist. I don't know if I actually went to the air as The Skeptical Economist. I thought about it. But it's an embarrassing thought that I wish I had never shared. Yeah. Okay, let's start the show. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, it's that time of year where we reveal the 2021 stock picks winners and losers. You and I made fun predictions about this time last year of which stock we thought would do well. We, we talked about what uh, we thought the S&P 500 would do. And it's just important to note, um, I uh, need everyone to know that this is not investment advice. This is a novelty. We, we, Dame and I are competing against each other. Do not, under any circumstance, act on what we're about to say. Damien, do you agree with that? Yes, this is a uh, a fun little lighthearted competition that Pete and I have to prove that uh, one of us is better than the other. And in the live stream, if you want to put your picks uh, in the chat, feel free to. And, but and, and so here's you can say stock of the year, loser of the year, or you can give your S and P five hundred predictions. So, Dame, without any further ado, because no one likes further ado. Hmm. Let's review what your stock pick of the year was for 2021. You chose what stock? Thor. Thor. Tell us about Thor. Uh, Thor is a, a recreational vehicle manufacturer uh, located in Indiana, and they had had a very, very nice 2020, and I thought that was uh, poised to continue on into 2021, and they were very strong about halfway into 2021. I believe Pete sent me a, a return with some crying emojis at one point, knowing that he was just in trouble with his pick uh, compared to mine. And uh, it cooled off tremendously towards the end of the year, but still uh, finished positive. All right, Dame. Well, it did finish positive, and it finished up 11.59%. In any year, I would take 11.59%. Kudos to you. Thank you. I chose... Uh, a little outfit out of Atlanta, Delta Airlines. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, I believe they love to fly and it shows. Maybe. Is that United? Well, it's, it certainly wasn't make money. Oh, boy. Um, it, it was that they were down 2.81%. I lost very badly. My My idea was that we weren't going to go through a third year of a global pandemic, that two is enough. That after season two, we'd be done. Turns out we got renewed for a third season of a global pandemic. Uh, and, and we figured that out in the fall and I did not help the airlines. And so I lost Dame is smarter than me as it relates to that stock pick. Now, however, our S&P 500 picks are a little different. Dame, what did you choose for the S&P 500? Uh, are we t going with my, uh, refresh pick? I think, didn't we have a, a period where we could change our picks mid midway through the year? Or tell us both. I, I feel like my, uh, first pick was 11, somewhere around okay, there, 11, sure. 12. And then I bumped it up cause I was feeling pretty bullish and went to all the way to 14 or 15, somewhere in that neighborhood. I started the year by saying 22 to 23%. The S and P 500 finished at 26.89%. I win. And I stuck with my pick the entire year. I win. However, now it is time 
to reveal our picks for 2022. This year, we are adding a loser section. And so, uh, Dame, do you want to begin with your winner pick? Boy, I, I almost feel guilty doing this. Uh, I am going with, uh, out of a number of choices, Brookshire Hathaway. <laughs> really? I am. I am. Really? Yep. Uh, that may inform you a little bit on what I think the S&P 500 is going to do this year. But I think Brookshire is poised to perform well in up and down markets. Okay. Uh, my winner of the year. Oh, man, I'm on the fence. Uh, Jeremy, our, fr- our pilot friend, wants me to double down and say Delta again. I do and I kind of want to. However, I- I'm going Cushman Wakefield. <laughs> Commercial real estate. Cushman Wakefield. Okay. So that's the that's the direction I'm going. Note it, everyone. Now, Dame, let's choose your loser of the year for 2022. And it can't be me. It has to be a, a publicly traded company. Full disclosure, if you would have gone Delta for your winner, I was going to go Delta for the loser. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. That's why I didn't do it. All right. Uh, loser for the year. I am going on a purely emotional play and saying... Twitter is going to be a loser Ooh. this year. Okay. Well, you know what? I have to say my pick is not that different. Oh. And I am going to disclose. Actually, I should disclose a couple things because I, I like to keep it uh, on the up and up. I do own shares of Cushman Wakefield. Huh? Uh, and I want to note that my loser pick, I also own shares of them. And I am not getting out of the position. Fair. Amazon. Mm. That's a that's a flyer. I I'm unlike the Delta pick, which is also a flyer. This is a, a risky pick, and I understand that. But it had a terrible 2021, an amazing 2020. I don't know. Something tells me it's not going to be good in 2022. We'll see. I don't know. I, I well, neither do I. <laughs> that's why we're idiots. Okay, now your S and P 500 pick. What's it going to be? We're talking full year, right? Not just all year. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so January 3rd, first day of trading on. S&P 500 will close this year up 4%. Okay. Okay. We have a different answer. I believe the S&P 500 will close up 7%. Ooh. In this year, so so we we are on the same page. We're just on a different place on the page. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hope I'm wrong. Same. Uh, so I, I would say actually, you know, not that we're doing this, but for what it's worth, it's gonna be seven percent or less, <laughs> right? You know, yeah. I mean, it's it. And, and by less, I mean you you could see that little hyphen in front of of your return this year uh, that people don't like to see. I very nearly went that way. But, I know. But I couldn't bring myself to put that juju out there. It's going to happen at some point. And, sure. and I think this giant, you know, bull market we've been in, um, it, it's got to end. 
I'm not a sky is falling guy. I'm not worried. That's the thing. I'm not worried when we go to a bear market because the longer you have done this and the longer you've been an adult investing, the less you care about a few down years. Because ultimately, had you bailed in 1999 at the beginning of three down years, you would have regrets. Yeah. And if you keep investing during those down years, you're going to come out much further ahead in the long run because you're buying the same stuff that you liked before at a cheaper price. So when it turns around, you're going to be in much, much better shape. Of course, we do a live stream of our show and we asked people to put their picks in the chat. Daniel, listener, says S&P 500 up 12%. Stock of the year, AT&T. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then loser of the year, uh, AT&T, as soon as I put money into it. That's funny. And that's oddly enough how investing feels like it works most of the time. <laughs> All right, Dame. So now that you've heard my pick and I've heard your pick, Where's your confidence level on stock of the year? Uh, I'm I'm feeling good. I, there were a couple that I kicked around. Uh, maybe we should discuss those off the air about uh, the ones that I considered and the ones you considered for yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. winner of the year. But uh, uh, I'm feeling pretty good that Brookshire can pull. All right. I feel good on beating you on that one. How about loser of the year? How good do you feel compared I, to mine? I just – I won't be upset if I lose that one. But if I win that one, uh, I will – have a slight guilty feeling of happiness. All right. Coming up after the break, your questions. Can you quit investing? That's next. I'm Pete the Planner. Um, we need to write down our picks so you don't try to change them midway here. Yeah, that's probably fair. What? I, uh, I picked Amazon and Cushman Wakefield. What did you yep. pick? You picked uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire and Twitter. <laughs> Man, that was that's the great tip off when you were like Berkshire Hathaway. It's like, okay, well now it's <laughs> now we know where he's going. Yeah. All right. I, I picked a multi uh, a mutual fund for my pick this year. Essentially, I just wanted to note, and I don't need credit for this. My f texts are blowing up. My Slack is blowing up. <laughs> I've got Slacks that say I have emails, and I'm not checking any of them. Because I care about you all. Mute all those notifications, Pete. Oh, I got to stop. Now my, now my text chain with my guys is is like 17 deep. How come it, I'm not getting in those texts? I'm I'm not one of the guys? No, you can't be on this chain. It's At this point, it's... Oh. Uh, anyway, um, let me pull up this the, the question. I've not really read it. I kind of read it. And we're going to do it. <laughs> you know, so say, New Year, still me. Same us. Uh, wait a second. Where is it? Oh, she put a bunch of them in there. Just two. Okay. Got it. Here we go. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, every once in a while people email us and they want answers. This week, we got a question from someone who needs answers. His name is Matthew. Dear Pete. Oh, actually, he says, hola, Pete Edam. That's you. Hmm. Uh, I have written in a few times and always enjoy hearing y'all's opinion. Oh, man. He's got to be from the South, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't believe I have ever heard you talk about what I'm going to ask, so I figured you may enjoy the question. My wife and I are 27 with a net worth of 215000 American dollars. 
oh, they've probably really enjoyed the last 10 years of the S&P 500. Uh, we have a duplex that cash flows enough to pay for our current living expenses. Really? I know. Well, can we, can we pause here for a second? Yeah. Okay, let's... Okay, for those that don't know, a duplex is a home with two front doors. Mm-hmm. One of the front doors is yours, generally speaking, and the other one is someone else. What I can't determine here yet, because I have li- to read further, is they it... Have, they have living expenses in there. No, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, do they live in one of the, the doors, oh. or do they live somewhere else, and then they've got two, uh, two doors that other people use? I think they have two doors that other people use. Okay. okay, that changes my surprise here, because to live in one of the doors and then have someone else to live in the other door, and the cash flow to be so aggressive that that cash flow not only pays the mortgage for the whole thing, but then covers all of it. Has to be, it has to be. It has to be two separate doors. I continue. Does everyone know what I'm talking about there? Like, or did I just like go crazy? Like, I'm, I'm still making sense, right? We'll put it in the notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we have a duplex that cash flows enough to pay for our current living expenses. Twenty-five thousand dollars in cash for personal real estate emergencies, and a hundred. So I gotta think that's separate than the way they said that. One hundred and seventy thousand invested in the market. Eighty-six thousand in traditional, fifty-two k in Roth, and thirty-two thousand non-qualified. My question is. At what point can my wife and I slow down on investing and either work less or simply splurge a bit more? We make around $105,000 per year and we are able to live well on $3,500 per month because we're in a low cost state. I can tell by the y'all. <laughs> was that rude? <laughs> what I just say felt rude. I said it. It's because it was. It was. I'm sorry. Um, I say y'all for what it's worth. Um, occasionally and don't have any consumer debt. I know how compounding works. So my goal has always been to invest more now and let it grow for the future. With such a long time horizon, there are many life factors that can't be taken into account just yet, but just say we never invested another dime. Are we crazy? Side note, our goal is to max out Roth RAs until we retire. Just curious on your thoughts, Matthew. Okay. What do you think? You're the professional here. I, I don't know what I am, but you're professional. What do you say? Uh, if you go strictly on the math, okay. And if you've got a calculator close by, Pete, no, yes, no. Yeah, I do. Oh, am I supposed to do math? I mean, you can if you want. Okay. If not, we'll 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 ball, ballpark this. I'm reading my text now. Good. Uh, okay. One hundred and seventy thousand invested in the market. They're twenty-seven. They've got roughly what four doublings. Yeah, yeah. reasonable. Yeah, three forty six eighty thirteen sixty. 22.7 million. Two seven? Yeah. Okay. Not a bad sum. Not a bad sum. But yeah. they're also going to max out their Roth IRAs over the next however many years they choose to do that. If we call it 40, I mean, it's, that's going to add up to a significant amount of money. All right. So we've got a nice pool of cash sitting there. We also know they've got a duplex that I'm assuming they're going to hold on to, this cash flowing a fair amount. They're going to have Social Security. Uh, it, it, even people who say, we don't know what Social Security is going to do. There's going to be some Social Security benefit. We just don't know how much it's going to be. Sure. Uh, and if they can truly live on $3,500 a month, even if we take inflation into account, I think there's a chance they could pull it off if they continue to contribute to the Roth. I would go the extra step of making sure that they're hitting the, at least the match in the 401k. 
But the math says, pure numbers, if $3,500 a month is accurate, for the rest of their lives, they could pull this off. Uh, I agree. I, I just have to make a couple notes here. Um, and, and the first one's condescending. It, or it sounds condescending, but it's not meant to be. It, it's about experience. Mm-hmm. At 27 years old, a lot of life hasn't happened to you yet. I mean, you, you, you arguably have had some ups and downs through childhood and adolescence and into young adulthood. But, and I'm not to suggest that what you've been through has been easy. I'm just saying there's a lot of adult life left to go. And what I know about adult life, even for the well-planned, is it can get uh, real detoured real fast. And so if a person chooses to increase their lifestyle and, and, and invest less than they normally are, in a vacuum, cool, awesome, the math works. Dame, you just said the math probably works. But I would note that the decisions can't at all feel permanent. Mm-hmm. Because if they do, or if you even go into it like, well, yeah, we did it. It almost has to be as temporary of a decision to pull back on investing as the decision to invest so aggressively had also been. Because otherwise, when life does happen, you're going to be in trouble. So it started off as condescending and ended up being rather wise. But I will say this. At some point, maybe you have a family. Maybe one person wants to stay home. Maybe you, you want to travel a, around the country out of a, a van and, and sleep on an air mattress. I don't know. I don't. But if you do, flexibility is what allows that to happen. I have no problem with them splurging. And, and not to get weird here, Dame, I think the uh, connotation of splurge for a 27 year old in this position and the connotation of someone maybe 20 years, their senior is completely different. So I'm focusing on the word splurge. What does that really mean? And how will that impact the finances? Uh, that's a question they're going to have to answer for themselves. I, if they can maintain this lifestyle, I mean, and what you said is increase your lifestyle a little bit. Well, that's where things start to get a little hairy, but they've got to keep that in check. But if they can maintain a relatively conservative lifestyle, $3,500 a month, uh, they've got a shot at pulling this off. But if, um, if they do have extra money that they're not uh, consuming in their lifestyle, what do they do with it? Do they buy more duplexes? Do they start putting it into a non-qualified account and use that for, man, the sky's the limit at that point. You can have some, some crazy uses and crazy goals on that non-qualified account, whether it's, uh, you know, you're going to give a bunch of it away charitably, or you're going to save it for rainy day, or, uh, you want to spend it all once every five years on something nuts. As long as it's not something that you are using in your daily lifestyle, inflating the dollars that you need to live month to month, uh, man, just having a fun fund set aside or a charitable fund, whatever you want to use it for, would be really, really uh, appealing to me. And if things go sideways in the markets and that uh, nest egg that you've got sitting there doesn't grow as fast as you thought, you've still got some other money set aside that could be re-diverted to your retirement later on. I will note that live stream viewer slash listener Jeremy uh, weighs in with, y'all know they're going to have to spend more as they get older, especially once the kids come. Dame, you know, maybe next week we talk about how expensive kids are. I mean, I, you know, Mrs. Planner and I had our year end meeting last week. 
our, our well, I love it. That's my favorite. We had a great time. We we gave each other a hug afterwards. It was nice. Like we were feeling good. Uh, not that good. Um, and I, I, I thought, you know, man, most of our money goes to our kids' activities, like in terms of discretionary spending. So I'll note 3,500 works for now. It won't work for now for, uh, 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 in perpetuity. And I would also note that even if they increase their lifestyle by a thousand bucks, 1100 bucks, you're increasing it by 33%. That's a lot. And you can get a lot done by spending an additional $1,000. It's those habits you form that I guess really are the difference. All right, Dame, here's what we're going to do. The very first Boam of the week of 2022 is next, along with current events. I'm excited and I'm starting the year on a positive note. This week's Boam is the best use of money of the week. And that's next here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pedro the Planner. I have three people in my life who've called me Pedro on a, actually four on a consistent basis. Okay. Mm -hmm. My friend, Don, my friend, Paul, mm -hmm. my grandfather, grandpa Don, really? And Ted, <laughs> those four people call me Pedro. <sighs> Interesting. I've heard Paul do it. Yeah. Um, but Sarah and I, uh, pardon me, Mrs. Planner and I, over the holiday, Ted calls me Pedro all the time. And, and I just said, you know, the other main person that calls me Pedro was my grandpa. And I think that's interesting because nice. Ted uh, met my grandpa. Uh, my grandpa passed away in 2014. Ted was born in 2012. So he didn't really know him, you know? Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, he's nice. It's sort of a nice thing. I'm not going to tell him that, though. No. Um, are you ready for Boam? Yeah, I'm really curious to see what the best use of money that I could be spending spending some cash on this week is. We talked about it yesterday, actually. Oh. In your employee review, yeah, only one of us cried. And I'll note, I didn't cry for that long. No. I mean, you, you got to let them down easy sometimes. <laughs> All right. I know what I'm going to be doing it for the next two hours after this uh, this here show. Oh. Answering all these texts and emails and slacks. <laughs> You're just so popular. I don't know. Um, I'm wearing a quarter zip today. A uh, quarter zip sweater uh, out of respect to Chad, our coworker, King of the quarter zip. And the Manning cast, too. I thought, uh, I thought we gave somebody else that moniker of King of the quarter zip. We did? I th maybe not. I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, you ready to go? Yes. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is, you know, every once in a while, I don't do biggest waste of money. I do best use of money. And today I'm going to do that. This week's biggest waste of money of the week is the solo stove bonfire. There's no better way to create good moments and lasting memories around a fire. The solo stove bonfire pushes the limits of airflow efficiency and minimalist design, reinventing the backyard experience so you can get outside and have a roaring smokeless fire in minutes. Solo stove's signature airflow design, trademarked, creates a super efficient burn that is mesmerizing to watch. Rising hot air 
and the absence of oxygen created by the combustion pulls air through the bottom vent holes. This airflow fuels the fire as its base while also providing fuel for the secondary burn to minimize smoke. The unit is made of entirely of 304 stainless steel and at just under 20 pounds, the solo stove bonfire is easy to transport for a perfect evening in the backyard, at the campground, or at the beach. Dame, I got one of these for Christmas, and boy, oh boy, it's amazing. It's 279 American dollars. And for my father-in-law who spent that money on me, thanks, Jim, because <laughs> it is incredible. I spent most of my break on our side porch area. It's, it's a covered porch, but it's not screened in or anything. I don't know what you call that, but it is covered and it's got a ceiling fan. So it was like nothing degrees out. I was ripping through firewood. And then I had the updraft of the fan going on. So I like superheated our porch. Now, is the white paint of our porch a little sootier than normal? Yeah, but I'll deal with that in the spring. Damien, I got lost in the visuals of this beautiful fire. It is incredible. Where do you buy your firewood in northern Indianapolis? Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't ask <laughs> because it's complicated. Oh, I, and here's why it's complicated. I've had a gas fireplace my entire life, like from a kid as a homeowner. So I don't typically build fires. Like, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to like Lowe's or Home Depot. I bought some woods from Menards. Uh, and it's like, so now I'm, I started looking online at like uh, bespoke firewood. And, and I know like a real human goes out and just fells a tree uh-huh. i have to note since we're talking about this one of my favorite people in the world uh well actually two favorite people in the world uh, former co-host of the show chip my, my good friend chip who is blowing up my text message right now uh and his father howard his dad is one of the world's foremost amateur experts on firewood he was a pilot like a, a military pilot and he would drive to go fly a mission in his Porsche and on the way, pull his chainsaw out of the boot of the Porsche and fell a tree, fill the little trunk space with firewood. And and so when he'd get done with his mission, he'd have firewood uh, to go put uh, the wildest story in the world. I just love that there's someone who loves free hot firewood as much as Howard Maxwell. I I need to know more. Oh, I have a good story for you. Yeah. Um, Dane, what's in the news this week? Younger Americans are paying a lot more in banking fees than older generations, according to a survey from Bankrate. Gen Z adult checking account holders ages 18 to 25 pay an average of... Pete, this is a guessing game. How much do folks ages 18 to 25 pay per month in routine service charges in their banking account? $12. 19 Oh. ATM, a little high. Yeah, ATM and overdraft fees and... Uh, uh, sorry, the service charges, ATM fees, and overdraft fees. Millennials, ages 26. To wait, 20. wait, wait, wait. You were including overdraft fees in that? Yeah. You didn't give me that information. Okay. You so said routine fees. Routine, yeah, okay. So maybe I didn't read beyond the first comma. I'm sorry. Well, who are you, me now? Yeah. So, okay, same question, same categories, okay. ages 26 to 41. $16. Right on the money. Wow. Oh, this is this the first time in the history of this program I've ever been right? Might have been. Okay. Mark your calendars, everybody. 
Gen Xers, and that's ages 42 to 57. By the way, how much did they pay? $9. Four. Oh, I knew it was <laughs> and baby And baby boomers, 58 to 76? Nothing. Two. 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 Yeah. Two. Oh, I was right again. Uh, yeah, no. This is the best year ever. Let's end the program. Younger consumers are also more likely to pay monthly fees, with 47% of Gen Z adults saying they fork over money every month, and 35% of millennials saying the same. Meanwhile, only 19% of Gen X and 15% of baby boomer account holders pay monthly fees. The average overdraft fee for checking accounts is... 35 bucks? 33.58, a record high. A record high. I'm pretty good at this. I, I will I will say this, weird admission, and this is where I have weird things in my life. I don't care about bank fees. Like I, I don't, like everyone's like, why pay it? The banks do a lot. Like they're clearing all your transactions. Like I, I you know, some things you pay fees for and you get mad at. Um, personally, paying a fee to my bank doesn't bother me. It, it just doesn't. It's like I said, dumb statement because people are going to say, well, if you don't have to pay it, why pay it? I don't want to chase and find a bank that, that you don't have fees. I'm okay with it. Dumb statement. Yeah, I, I think that might be a, a bigger city perspective because I can tell you in rural areas that ain't going to fly. Well, you're out there felling your own trees. Yeah, well, I may have done that uh, just uh, before the end of the year. So take it. So you have felled a tree. <laughs> Am I using the conjugation correctly? I think so. You felled a tree? Technically, the tree was already felled, but I cut it up with a chainsaw. Oh, I would love to do that. Do I, you would worry? Love, I would love to watch you do that. <laughs> I we could do a live a stream. Chair, of... Pull up a lawn chair, a nice cold beer, and and we can count on uh, which which limbs, tree or yours, hit the ground first. You know, for someone who is not like actively outdoorsy, I'm kind of outdoorsy. Although I do have another weird admission. I think I've only gone camping once, and it was in college. Other than on a mountain. In the Pacific Northwest, which I guess that counts as twice, but like as an adult, I've never camped. Playing basketball in the driveway does not count as outdoorsy. No, 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 no. I have a pocket knife. Oh, what? And because my my father in law also bought me a, a, an axe, a camp hatchet mm. to help whittle the wood. What do you do? How do you chop a wood? Do you ever sharpen that? I've just got it the other day. Oh, oh, to to feed your stove. To feed my stove, I, I will know. I will note this: the solo stove, while amazing, it goes through wood like I go through Rice Krispie treats. Holy cow! That I, I would go through an entire what do you call a rick, a cord? What do we? I got to learn all. <laughs> I gotta learn all these new terms. <laughs> like I'm, I got a bundle, a bundle, a rick, sure. or a cord. Okay, yeah. let's play a game of what is more, a bundle, a rick, or a cord. I don't know. Oh, you don't know? I've I've never even heard of a rick. I don't, what else is in the news this week? I can't wait for trees to, to start showing up missing in your neighborhood and the HOA has Can you to imagine my out. HOA? It's like, someone cut down a German maple. And it's like, what? <laughs> what what's a German maple? <sighs> All right. Uh, Detroit-based General Motors has been the top-selling automaker in the U.S. every single year since 1931. But even Cadillacs lose their shine after a while. Toyota. Dethroned GM is the number one automaker in the country in 2021, marking the first time on record that a foreign car manufacturer has topped the list, which would make sense if GM has done it every year prior. Uh, 
a run of the numbers, Japan sold 2.3 million vehicles in 2021. Uh, that'd be Toyota, technically, uh, and which is up 10% from the last year. And GM sold 2.2 million, down 13% from 2021. Uh, Toyota planned better for the shortage. Uh, they had more ships and, and more uh, parts on hand to continue building those cars. So that went a long way towards them taking the number one spot. Yeah, that wasn't surprising. I mean, it, what is actually more surprising is that they hadn't previously had the number one spot. Yeah, I, that actually surprised me as well. I was taking my daughter to school this morning, and uh, there was a t- <laughs> there was a Tesla in front of us, and she was like, "Do you want a Tesla?" And I was like, "No, not really." And she was incredulous of the fact that I don't want a Tesla. Like to to my kid, kids of my kids' age, at least where we live, like that is the greatest thing in the world. And I'm like, ah, I don't get it. Anyway. That's it for this week's show, this year's first show of the year. So I'm sending good vibes. Good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. Yeah, she was she was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want one. I don't, it's not my thing, you know? The car after the next one you get will be electric. Oh, then we're doing this, huh? I think it will be. The okay. So, so not, not this one that you're you're currently going to have to make a decision on. Yeah. Three so three years, so three years from now, you were saying my next car will be electric unless you go used. Okay, okay, so I was gonna make this a segment next week, but I kind of want to just talk about it now. I want everyone to think about this. Okay, because I because sometimes talking about stuff like this on the radio, radio, the audience on the radio is different than the podcast and the live stream. You know what I mean? Family here. Yeah, we're we're this is for us, y'all. Here's the situation I'm in. I've leased a car uh, and, uh, for the last three years. Uh, and, and by the way, it, it will be up in May. First time I ever leased a car. It made sense given my situation. And I've tripped into a really interesting outcome because of that. I can buy my car outright right now or in May for $26,000, the, the car I've just leased for three years. The value to sell that car right now is $43,000. So that's a $17,000 spread. And so I got options, right? If I, if I turned in my lease and didn't take advantage of a $17,000 arbitrage opportunity, then that would be dumb. That'd be incredibly dumb. Uh, I could turn it back in as a down payment on another lease, which doesn't make sense. The whole point is I've got to buy this car and then resell it. I mean, I have to, but then the difficulty arises. The reason I can get $43,000 for a car that cost me $26,000 is because of inflated used car prices. So how in the world am I going to secure a car or in May or June that is not also ridiculously subjected to those inflated prices? Dame, do you have any idea how I'm going to pull this off? No, it's the same thing with people trying to sell their home and then buy another one. It's the exact same thing, just on I a smaller know. scale. My hope is to find another lease deal sometime in the next four or five months and poten- potentially even in like March or April when supplies get a little bit better and have have three cars for like a month or two until my lease is done and then just buy it out. I don't actually I could just buy it out now because I don't think there's a early buyout thing. 
you're uh, you're pretty brand loyal. Are you looking at maybe expanding the uh, the menu of options? You know, that's a really great question. I have a Toyota product. I have had Toyota products for quite some time since 2002, maybe 2004. Um, that's a great question. Possibly, but I doubt it. Like I like to say I would, but I, there's certain areas of my life that I, once I know something works, I don't like to futz with it. You know what I mean? That was futz. That was futz. Yeah. Is that the word? Yes. No, it is. I just, okay. In, in case uh, your audio got uh, <laughs> jobbled, I wanted to make sure it was okay. <sighs> so you think after I do this, three years from now, I will have an electric car of some sort? Yeah. I mean, you, you've you've already had a hybrid. You, we, yeah, we have right a hybrid. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it will, at very minimum, be another one, but... In three years, I think there will be a strong likelihood that you will move full electric. Here's what I can't get over. Here's what I, I, I don't drive to Florida on a regular basis. I've driven to Hilton Head twice, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Driven to, I, I've just, I haven't even driven to Florida. I've driven, oh, wait. Anyway, I think I have. How do you deal with that? Driving from Indiana to Florida, do I have to like Chattanooga Charging Company? Like, how do how do you do that? Um, if you drive a Tesla, the supercharger network's really good, and it plans out the entire trip for you. Uh, it does take longer. There's no getting around that, even if you have the supercharger stations. Uh, but it's it's possible. It's very very possible. Uh, what we're seeing now is there. I think it's a battery company in Michigan uh, just replaced. They created their own battery, put it into a Tesla Model S. And they got like 650 or 750 miles uh, out of the last one in the middle of winter, which is tremendous. So battery technology is going to continue to progress. That range is going to continue to get extended. Uh, and it's going to become less and less of an issue. Now, I think where Tesla's or electric cars in general really shine are the near home travels. Uh, I mean, if you had an electric car to drive within... 90 or 100 miles of, of your location, you'd never have to worry about it. You'd never have to stop in a gas station, just drive home, plug it in, and you're over and done. It's I, I think I think you'll look at this potentially a little differently when you make this decision again another three years. I spend roughly, roughly $70 a month on fuel for my car mm-hmm. at these gas prices. Mm-hmm. Um, the charging, like my electric bill, it's not going to be higher, sure higher be than, higher. but I mean, is it, it's not going to be $70 a month more, right? It depends on what your electric rates are, what they go up to, but it, typically no, your, your, uh, electric fuel rate doesn't, uh, match your, your gasoline rate. Yeah. The other thing is I don't want a Tesla and I know you don't have to get a Tesla. You can get other electric cars. I have, a, I have an Elon Musk problem I can't get over. It's fair. I mean, but the the company you're loyal to has some fully electric options. Uh, they sound expensive. Options. Uh, All right. Anyway, uh, I don't know why over the last two months, or one point in the last couple months, I, I got on and looked at our iTunes reviews. I, I haven't looked at them in years. And one of them said, 
gave us like one star or something. He said, Pete just talks about how wealthy he is, which I, I don't actually feel that way. But I do feel like the last 10 minutes may may uh, be there. Well, guess what? They're not listening to us anyway. So it really Good point. Matter. Show's not for you. Yeah. It, here's the thing. Whether someone has money or doesn't have money, it doesn't mean they don't have problems that need to be solved. That's the nature of empathy. Right? Like, I don't want to get too deep into this, but that's why when people get mad at like the stigma of wealth, whether you have it or not, never resonates with me because I know that someone is only dealing with what's in front of them and it doesn't make them better or worse. That's why for this show, for the last 10 years, if I read a question about someone that's got $200,000 who's 27 years old, this show's not for you if you go, like, this show's not for you. The, the, this show is for you if you hear $200,000 and you say, good for them. All right, let's figure out what we can learn from this. That's when I know the show is for you. If you hear of someone's situation on this show and you judge them as opposed to trying to learn from them, not for you. Choose a different show like that person did, clearly. Or they're going to listen and leave another crappy review. And they went over to Joe's show. That's all right. Joe. Joe's the best. Um, all right. Anything you want to... Anything else you want to go? I, I gotta. I mean, I gotta go. I got all these texts and whatnot. Of course, you, you're, you're you've got people you need to answer to, not answer to, but tell them your opinions. <laughs> uh, you know what? It is like nothing degrees here in Central Indiana. I'm going to go home this afternoon and sit on my porch and burn my solo stove and see if I can pull that off. I almost did that in a Zoom call yesterday because I work from home, and then I thought, eh, it's a bit much. I. Uh, any chance that your um, soffit or ceiling in your porch is going to warp and, and get uh, all wrinkly with all that heat going up? So now I have to Google soffit. Well, you might want to check and make sure you're not going to do some damage to your house. How tall is the ceiling in there? Uh, um, no, that, that's that. a good question. Um, I would say the ceiling is 15 feet. Mm. You're probably okay. but Okay. I mean, maybe not. You might have thousands of dollars of damage there. Little Miss Muffet sat on a soffit eating her curds and whey. <laughs> Is that how it goes? Yeah, exactly how that goes. How are you going to be the buzzkill to me? I'm like, I'm having fun. I got a gift. I'm burning woods. Did you not go through my review yesterday? Yeah, I know. You ruin everything. I do. <laughs> I got I to gotta go. I got a million things to do. You're not one of them. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not in that text chain. Uh, hey, everybody. Stay getting money.